1: Welcome everyone to another Pageant Planet podcast. This is the podcast for contestants who want to be inspired and discover how to win the crown. I'm Jessie Ledoux McMullen, Pageant Planet's Queen of Coaching, and I'm joined by Miss America 2018, Cara Mund. Today we're discussing five mistakes contestants make on their paperwork. Cara, set the stage for us.
0: Paperwork is often the first thing a judge sees from you. It's your chance to introduce yourself before they meet you in person. It needs to be comprehensive enough to wow them, but intriguing enough that they still want to hear more from you in that interview room.
1: I like to say your paperwork is you in black and white. So it should read like your personality does. And when they see you in person, it should just click that, of course that's her. I feel like I know her already. It makes sense. And there are a lot of lessons to learn while mastering pageant paperwork, aside from the obvious of proofread, send to others to proofread, oh, proofread again. (laughs) Oh, and then you're gonna repeat that constantly. So proofread is the first and most important rule that we're not even gonna talk about today.
0: Yeah. I hope I hope that's the main thing everyone looks at, at the very beginning. You don't want any spelling mistakes. You don't want any grammar mistakes um, because it really is a representation of you and you don't want those simple mistakes to take away from, from the greater picture.
1: How many people do you think read your paperwork before you submitted it to Miss America?
0: Oh my goodness. I think just me myself probably read it over 50 times. Um and that's not even including while I was writing it and reading it. Um but I I definitely gave it to to quite a few people. Um I even had professors look at it. Um because you know, you you sit and stare at it for so long and you don't usually recognize those those little hidden things or or even things that you think make sense to you and the outside reader goes, "I have no idea what this is." <laughs>
1: Well, I I was just um, giggling to myself the other day because I had a flashback come out on Facebook, but when I was Miss New York International, I launched the, International, or the Volunteer of the Month Award. And I worked so hard on this flyer that was going to be this digital ad that I was going to send out to people to nominate volunteers in their community to win this award. And I probably read it a thousand times. I looked at it. I reformatted it. I changed the colors. I made it pretty. And wouldn't you know, in the first sentence, I spelled volunteer wrong oh <laughs> and I honestly I didn't notice it for weeks until someone was like hey you know there's a typo in here and I was like "Oh almost there's a typo in here how embarrassing because you're just used to seeing what you're doing and you are predictive um, reading so you like okay volunteer yep I know that's what it says and then you just keep going so it's helpful to have some people that you know that we will that will give you the honest truth and our grammar stick sticklers and spellers as well Oh, absolutely.
0: And, and even when you have, you know, past paperwork and you feel like you're just copying over, um, there's so many times where you might miss that letter or you might miss that punctuation or, or something like that. And so while you think you have your bases covered, it's definitely read, 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 check, check, check. Mm-hmm.
1: So let's talk about five common mistakes and how to fix them. And Cara, these are all from you. So why don't you share with us what the first one is?
0: Yes. I think the, the one of the very first ones that came to mind was using old information. And now this usually happens for two reasons. First, contestants are trying to fill as much space as possible. So they pull accomplishments from many, many years ago. And the other reason is usually focused on pageant lifers who've been competing for several years and they haven't really taken the time to fully update their documents. And, you know, I've, I've also had this before where, you know, you think it's something that's important. And then you realize, wait, I did this years ago and I've done so much more since then. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that that very first part about wanting to just fill the page, you know, that's, it's kind of intimidating to get a blank sheet of paper mm-hmm. and have to put your whole life on it. And so you think of of all these things you did. And I think, you know, when when you do that, you really lose the strategy behind the paperwork. And, you know, you really want to to guide the eye of the judge. And we'll talk about that in some of our other mistakes along the way. But I think one of the biggest things that I see so often is a contestant who puts up information that, you know, while it's great because it's old, it doesn't necessarily help her or help her stand out by any means.
1: Yeah. And I think the the problem with this is you're likely, likely missing opportunities to emphasize your most recent and relevant experience if you're relying on that old information. So, so Cara, how do you suggest contestants fix this?
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, we really recommend that you don't put anything older than um, four years. And the exception is that if the experience directly correlates with your brand or the pageant system or maybe your platform, you know, you just have to remember to update your paperwork for every pageant. So, um, you know, if not much has changed in your activities, it's still really important to reevaluate if the information is relevant and organized properly. And keeping in mind that, you know, the, the layout or the template is different for every pageant. Mm-hmm. And so while it may have worked for your last one, you always want to reevaluate and re-strategize going into your next one.
1: I think I think that brings up a, a great point too, is each pageant has different goals. So just like applying for jobs, you don't use the same cover letter for every job because it should be custom to that role and that company. You want to change it for each pageant too. And I one of the a direct example of how you'd want to fit it to the pageant With the international pageant system, their uh, platform is Heart Health for Women. So if you're CPR certified, but you've got that certification a long time ago um, and it is still active, that's something you definitely want to include on your paperwork because it ties directly into heart health and and women's health awareness. So things like that make a lot of sense, even if it was over four years ago. So that you might, it might make sense to keep in, but you don't want to make those older things the focal point.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, with with the example you just gave, it is still even though it was accomplished a few years ago, it's still so current. And it's mm-hmm. something that, you know, you could still do today. And so I think keeping that in mind as well is is this something that, you know, maybe you volunteered six years ago with something, but it relates to the your platform. It relates to the organization. And it's something that maybe as a title holder, you're going to continue to try to do or, or bring back in.
1: Yeah. And do you have anything else you want to add on old info before we move on to the second one? Uh, No, I just think that it is such a
0: crucial point because, you know, depending on the system, maybe you only get five minutes with the judges or 10 minutes with the judges. And do you really want to be talking about something that you did, you know, six years ago? Uh, There's so much more you've accomplished since then. And so you really want to strategize
1: how you're going to use
0: that time. And old information is, is not... The way to go.
1: <laughs> I, I don't want to take away from the the next couple points because this example I'll give actually fits a lot of our points today. But I remember I, when I won the Presidential Fitness Award in high school. And then when I went back to compete again, because I took a hiatus, I competed again a few years later. And I still included that on my paperwork, which had no relevance to my platform, the pageant. I was like, oh, I don't, I can't think of any other accomplishments. Oh yeah, I won the Presidential Fitness Award a million years ago. Why did I think that was a good <laughs> idea? Ugh. Yeah, but
0: I think too, you know, if if it's on there, and you've made that mistake, and you can definitely strategize on on how you're going to incorporate it in. So uh, fitness (laughs) is such an important part. And so even though it was on there, and looking back, maybe you didn't want it, uh, you could definitely frame it the way that, that you think would be most successful.
1: Well, bless you for um, making me feel better about it. But uh, what's, what's the second mistake? Uh,
0: forgetting to put information you want the judges to know. I see this all the time as a contestant comes into the interview room and she starts talking about something that's not even on her paperwork. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, it's you really want to give that judge the opportunity to ask you questions about something that you want to answer. And if there's a specific question you're really hoping them to ask, you want to make sure that it's obvious in your paperwork. And um, and I think that's something that, you know, we often overlook. It seems so simple. You know, put things on your paperwork that you want the judges to ask. But as you're writing it up, sometimes it's just one of those things that you overlook. And um, so making sure to put that information that you want the judges to know is such a crucial point.
1: Oh, my gosh. And I, I usually, when I work with clients, I say, decide those three things that they must know about you in order to compel you to be crowned. And are there at least three places per item in your paperwork that directs them to ask you questions about? And this increases the odds that Cara is talking about that you'll receive a question in that area. So if your goal is to um, have your own nonprofit, let's say, are there three points, and they don't need to be, I wanna have my own nonprofit. They don't need to be obvious or repetitive. They can be more creative, a little more subtle, but as long as they're there, it's a the odds are likely that it'll come out. So whether it's your volunteerism is a huge part of who you are. Okay, include your volunteerism what's going to come up? Oh, working with nonprofits. Hmm. What can we talk about working with nonprofits? Oh, you want to have your own someday? Wow. That sure makes sense. So again, it do- we don't want it to be repetitive and feeling like you're really pushing those three items down um, their throats in a really obvious forceful way. It should be more organic. So those three things, so find three things you want them to know about you and then make sure that there's three points on your resume that direct them back there.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I actually had a really great example of this at Miss America. Um, And I I had an idea of this strategy, but you just phrased it so well. And it wasn't until I was in the the Miss America interview room that I saw it firsthand. And one thing I wanted the judges to know about me and and one of my three was that, you know, dance was always a passion for me. And I knew the system I was in, talent, was a huge aspect. And Mm -hmm. I had trained with the Radio City Rockettes. And I really wanted that to come up in the interview because it also was kind of of a setback because I ended up being too short to be a rocket, And so while I had done all this training and I had this vision and this goal, it didn't come true, but I was able to pivot another way. And so I thought this was a really great way to show the judges that, you know, when one door closes for me, I'm always going to reach into the, the next opportunity or that next hallway and open the next door for me. And one of the sections on the paperwork was interesting facts or interesting things that have happened to you. And I actually got to be in a Brad Paisley music video Mm -hmm. on accident (laughs) and it's something that the judges always you know it was interesting to them so they would ask about it and I really didn't have much more than what was on the paperwork right like it happened it happened just on coincidence I happened to be in the right place at the right time got to be in this music video but it allowed me to say when this happened it was because I was training in New York City with the Radio City Rockettes Mm. and I was able to perfectly blend in that point that I wanted and so I was kind of guiding the judges and they they didn't know it, but I really felt like I was leading the interview rather than them leading it based on their questions.
1: Oh, you just illustrated that so well. And it brings me to my next point, which actually isn't one of our five mistakes because it's not a mistake. It's a strength is storytellers win interview. So if you're just rattling off bullet points, when they ask you questions, you are doing yourself such a disservice. So what carr just talked about is She probably, they probably asked her about that music video and she probably was able to light up, first of all, her face probably lit up with excitement or giggles or something that showed emotion. And then she probably painted that picture of, here's where she was and here's why she was there and here's what happened. And you're picturing it as a judge. And when a judge can visualize you within the stories you're telling of your life, they will fall in love with you so much faster than if you're just saying, oh yeah, it was in this music video one time, it was really fun, big, done you're using it to further who you are in that moment. So, oh, I love that you just said that story. Yeah, and I think it
0: makes you more memorable too. You know, when a judge can, in 10 minutes, figure out a story about a shoe, connect it to you, feel that emotion. Um, when they see you on stage, they remember, oh, that's the girl that like accidentally was in the Brad Paisley video. Oh, but she also trained with the Rockettes. And, uh, and so making those connections and invoking that emotion, just like you said, the storytelling does it. And it's such an amazing strategy that we don't always see contestants bring.
1: Oh, definitely. And the last point on this is you used um, the Rockettes. As a really um, strong reference point, and even if you didn't write the rock hats on your paperwork, but it sounds like you you did, right? You included it, and then you had the Brad Paisley, so you could have tied it back the, both ways. Oh, absolutely. Yep. So it was it was on to it and they didn't
0: realize that, that was that was the strategy, right? Like they didn't mm-hmm. know Brad Paisley happened in New York. Um so it was a way to point it to that that main point, just like you said, without the judge really even knowing that, that was that was the strategy.
1: Yeah, and rockettes are iconic, right? Everyone I shouldn't say everyone, I shouldn't do blanket statements, but most people in America, which is the pageant you were competing in, have heard of the Rockettes or seen them at some point. So you can use these iconic references to tie them back to a judge because when a judge can see something on a paperwork that they recognize, they feel more confident to ask you about it. They don't want to ask you about things that they don't know anything about because there's no opportunity for connection and they don't want to look silly asking a question. So it's a safety zone to give them these references that they know. So widely known things, specific things will be helpful too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Which I think,
0: you know, really leads into our our next mistake or, you know, one of the the top things five things we see that could be changed and it's including information you can't a hundred percent, a hundred percent speak to. So if you put that information on that, that maybe creates that, you know, likeliness or um, is, is very familiar with people, you have to be able to speak to it Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I see this too all the time. It's kind of that imposter syndrome, right? Where contestants are trying to beef up their paperwork and really impress the judge. And you really don't want to get a question that, you aren't comfortable speaking about, Mm -hmm. um, just because it looks great on paper. And again, it kind of goes back to that, you know, you only have five minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes with the judge, depending on the system you're in and to, to waste that time on something that you don't feel comfortable really speaking about or confident about it. It's very obvious and, you know, it doesn't bring much to the conversation and it also can le make you leave the interview room feeling like I really didn't take advantage of the time that I had or They really didn't get to know me because that information wasn't you. It was something that looked impressive on paper. um, And there's so many other things that contestants have done that are impressive and and really bring out those qualities that are things that they can talk about. So don't waste your time. Don't waste your space on things that that aren't you or that you don't feel comfortable speaking about.
1: Yeah, consider your paperwork a softball of questions for the judges to ask you. I mean, you're... You're serving them on a silver platter, the topics you're trying to direct them to ask you about. They don't know anything about you except what's on that paper. So putting filler data to appear more knowledgeable or well-versed than you are will only trip you up if they do push data or expose the fact that you weren't 100% truthful. You never know what a judge's knowledge base is on a certain topic. So trying to fudge your way out of it if they ask you and they are an expert and they keep diving in will only dig your hole deeper. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's painful to think about. And like, so as you read through your paperwork, ask yourself three different questions about each point listed to make sure you're following up with deeper dives to make sure you have enough of a third standing to even list it absolutely and I think you know I've I actually experienced
0: something like this like I thought I could speak a hundred percent on something and mm. it was my very first year competing in Miss North Dakota and I was in my first year of college and I knew that you know law school was something that I would want to to go into at some point or you know I, I was interested in the legal field maybe not law school maybe I, I wanted to do something else but something with law and one of my judges was um I think he had a lot of lawyers in the family his wife might have even been a lawyer, I I can't even remember. And I thought that, that that would be such an advantage, right? And I already had submitted my paperwork at this point, but I thought, oh, I'm really gonna connect with this judge. And, um, you know, I thought I knew a lot about law, but that one of the first questions in the interview was if I agree with plea deals or not. Mm. And it was something that I really didn't think of, right? And I I was just thinking of law in a broad sense. And so keeping in mind that what you're on, what's on your paperwork can open doors to so many um, smaller topics. And so you want to make sure that you fully understand why that is on your paperwork. And I think I answered the question, you know, I, I stayed my opinion, but I remember walking out feeling like, ooh, I don't think that was my best question. And then it kind of impacted the rest of my performance, right? And even to this day, I still think about that question. <laughs> and um, and it, the answer, I think, was fine. It wasn't one of those things that I, I, I couldn't speak about. But I I just wish that I would have, you know, thought about it before the interview room because you don't want to think about a topic for the first time while you're in front of your judges.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I, my answer, my explanation is not as graceful as yours was, Cara. My platform when I was 17 competing for Miss New York in Miss America, so I was the youngest contestant, and I really had no business being there. And my platform at the time was eliminating hunger on a local, state, and national level. So I got a question about hybrid foods. And instead of being like, I don't know what a hybrid food is, so I can't weigh in on that, I pretended like I did know. And I kind of like glossed over it and felt like a fool after the fact. And just like you said, you still think about that question about plea deals. I'm still thinking about the hybrid foods. And (laughs) so you don't have to pretend to be an expert either. So that's another solid thing is, you know, put it on there and they ask you an unrelated question that you really haven't had a chance to think about. Don't pretend either.
0: Yeah, and if you can, pivot the question to something that you can talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, So, which I think is such a great skill that sometimes you just have to develop over time.
1: Yeah, and I always say, like, there's a, I call this with my clients, the third grader syndrome. So, when you're reading through your paperwork and you're kind of answering your practice questions, I want you to think like a third grader would. So, if you say, I'm going to make a difference in schools, why? Why are you gonna make a difference in schools? Like a third grader would come back at you with like another question. Okay, well, here's why. Okay, well, how? How do you do that? So you go through the list of who, when, where, why, kind of like a third grader is challenging you to learn more about what you're saying. And that forces you to go down a hundred different layers beyond what you already have listed on your paperwork. So you are ready for those smaller topics. And even if it's something specific that comes up like plea deals or hybrid foods. You've done what Kara said is you've found other ways to tie it to details within that subcategory that you've already worked through yourself. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love I love, that. Doing, I love doing that to clients. Why? Like I'm going to act like I am a kindergartner and I'm going to challenge <laughs> everything you say, so you better be ready.
0: Absolutely. And, and I think that's really important too, because when you're in the position of the title, you get those why questions all the time. <laughs>
1: From third graders and those that act like third graders. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> so Absolutely. talk us through number four. <laughs> So number four is is definitely something that I think a lot of contestants just gloss over and it's the failure to market yourself. Mm. So if you've listened to the podcast before, you know it's critical to be developing a brand and no one is cut and dry as a person and it takes time to create memorable experiences, but your paperwork shouldn't be just pretty, it should have some personality to it. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing I remember is, you know, when when you're putting on some of your accomplishments, that's one part where I feel like, you know, I'm a presidential scholar or whatever it is that you have on there. For me personally, I was a Coca-Cola scholar. And so I would put that on my paperwork. What's that, Cara? (laughs) Exactly. What is it? Why? (laughs) Asking those questions, right? and i often like the the very first few years i just put coca cola scholar and it really didn't bring any questions to the interview room other than i got well, do you like Coca-Cola, right? (laughs) Like they they didn't know what the qualifications were. They didn't know how selective it is. And so I started putting on the paperwork, Coca-Cola scholars, and then in parentheses, that that year there was only a 0.03 percentage of being accepted as a scholar. Mm. And so people thought that was really interesting, right? Like it's a very selective process and then brought that information up. And so, you know, instead of just saying a selective process, I put the actual percentage and it, and it kind of gives you that opportunity to really market that, yes, I stood out in another environment and this was an academic environment. And I'm going to stand out the same type of way here mm. on this stage in this interview room. Um, and so using some of those, you know buzzwords or or really expanding on what it is that you did and sometimes you can't do that on the paperwork itself it has to come in in the interview room but if you can really kind of quantify or or bring to light you know what you did or how you did it or how selective it was, it allows that judge to see you know, what you're bringing to the table more than just a blanket statement of, yes, I was a Coca-Cola scholar.
1: Yeah, and we're going to get into formatting in the fifth and final point, and I don't want to jump ahead too much. But if, if you're Cara and you're putting on Coca-Cola scholar and you know that there's that really unique element of the acceptance rate, all you have to do is Coca-Cola scholar dash point whatever acceptance rate. Semicolon Mm -hmm. next topic. So you've just introduced a tiny little layer to it that's going to tweak their interest, tell that story, introduce that story so that then they want to ask about it. So you don't need to do a 30 word deposition about (laughs) Coca-Cola scholars. You just need that one extra layer to bring it to their attention.
0: Absolutely. And it's one of those things that a judge might be interested in, and they might not. And Mm -hmm. so you definitely don't want to waste that space, um, kind of taking it up. And also, you always want to bring more to the conversation. And so if you have everything you can speak about, kind of going back to our last one, you know, having 100% to speak to it, well, if all of that's on your paperwork, you're just going to feel like you're regurgitating what's Mm -hmm. on your paperwork, right? Like you're just saying the same thing that they read, and they're not learning anything new about you.
1: And so In any pageant, there's a number of qualified and experienced contestants, right, Cara? There are probably, every single contestant at Miss America was probably qualified, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. And each one of us had done something so unique, Mm -hmm. so different. Um, And and it really came down to who marketed themselves the best.
1: Yeah. A lot of contestants I see will include pageantry on their interests for their resume. And I'm like, don't put that. You're competing in a pageant. (laughs) They know you like pageants every girl here likes pageants. So don't waste room on your resume to list it. List things that nobody else can say. I I do think too, a lot of contestants in freeform style answers that are like, what will your legacy be? It's really beautifully written, could be an essay contest, but there's not detail within that. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to blend in because I'm going to say the same thing that every other contestant could say instead of here's the quantifiable goals that I have or here's the life experience point that I know nobody else has. So you need to make sure that everything on your platform or your paperwork, your platform statement ties back to something that, again, to I think it was point two Cara mentioned, creating, being memorable so that they think about it every single time they see you, see your name, see your headshot.
0: Absolutely. And it's so important to stand out. And so making making those, you know, types of changes in your paperwork is so crucial.
1: Mm-hmm. so i I circle back with going with the question of how did you describe yourself in three words? If those three words don't jump off the page in that black and white setting, it's time to revisit your paperwork. So, for example, if I say, Um, to a contestant, what are the three words that describe you? And one of their words is snarky, which again, if you listen to our podcast, you know, I like using kind of fun, fresh things that you don't hear all the time, like compassionate or dedicated. I mean, those are regular words we hear. So you can have two of those, but your third one should kind of be wacky or unique in some semblance. So if your word's snarky and I read your paperwork and it's serious and professional and perfect, I'm missing out on 33% of who you're trying to portray that you are. And that's a big percentage when they only have potentially a minute to get to know you. Some systems their interviews as short as a minute. And you're missing that. So it's in your interests or your activities or your accomplishments. Um, I call in in my personal blog, I call myself an outfit an outfit magician.
0: So <laughs> I'm gonna put
1: outfit magician in my resume because that's gonna catch their attention. And they're like, oh, what's that? That's kind of fun. And now they know I have a side outside of scholarships and achievements that are more black and white.
0: Oh, yes. So important to show all aspects of who you are as a contestant and and what you're bringing to the table.
1: Yeah. Um, Okay, the last one. We've kind of alluded to it a little bit, but why don't you walk us through it?
0: Yeah, so the last one is cluttered information. So, you know, as a judge, I think people give us too much credit. (laughs) And while a judge would love to spend hours and hours on your paperwork and really diving in and figuring out what it is that they want to ask, a lot of times, you know, they might not be given it until just right before you walk into the interview room. They might have 10 to 30 seconds to flip the page and, mm-hmm. and see what's there. And so you really want your information to pop off the page. And you don't want a judge to have to feel like they're on some type of scavenger hunt, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, where's the information I can ask a question about? Um, and so, you know, making sure your information isn't cluttered is already setting you up to be successful before you even, walk into the door
1: for sure because they're they're skimming it and they're going to pick one or two things that they see first and the first way to fix this is i talked about it in the last point was formatting so in sections where you can list details like achievements or interesting facts don't write them out in in sentences or like you want to use as few words as possible so it's not achieved the academic excellence award sophomore year it's Academic Excellence Award in parentheses, 20 parentheses, and then you go on to the next one. So you don't need to like, hide the details in sentences when it's not necessarily the case. Um, the next item is simple. So don't include anything you don't want them to ask you about. And mm-hmm. they have, we've talked about this several times, they only have what's in front of them. So keep it concise so they stay focused on the items that are important to you. More does not necessarily equal more in this case. Yeah. And I
0: think from a a judge's perspective, you know, there's been a lot of times where I see someone's paperwork and there's so much on there that it's kind of overwhelming. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've even been given the the advice when I was competing as a contestant. Well, there's so much on here that the judge has almost set the bar higher than they have Mm. for anyone else. Right. And so, like I said before, you want to come in and, you know, while it's great that they have this template of of things you've done, you always want to bring more to the conversation. And when you leave the room, You want the judge to think like, oh, I really wish I could have had more time with her. There's so much more I wish I could have asked. And you want to leave them asking more. And if your paperwork has so much information on there that they don't even know where to start, they might just be glad when it's over, right? Like, yes, thank goodness. I asked some questions and and it can be overwhelming and intimidating for the judge. So, you know, just those simple formatting things are so crucial to, to help you
1: be successful and make sure that you get
0: those questions you really want asked.
1: So all of these points, Cara, you talked about are so valuable for every single contestant that's listening. So I'm going to recap these points and then I'm going to have you summarize. So point one, using old information. Mistake two was forgetting to put information you want the judges to know. Point three, introducing including information you can't 100% speak to. Failure to market yourself and cluttered information. So so Kara, if you could summarize the lesson of, of solid paperwork and advice, what would you say? Yeah, I
0: think you just have to keep in mind that that one sheet of paper is a representative of you. And, you know, while you've done so many remarkable things in your life, you really want to, you know, hone in on the things that you know, you really want to talk about are the things that make you, you, um, that piece of paper is a representation. It is, it is you on that paper. And it's the first thing the judge often sees and, you know, they get to learn about you before you even walk into the room. And so it's so crucial that you set yourself up for success and you impress the judge before they even have the chance to see you face to face.
1: 100%. And, If you have an idea for our next podcast topic, email us with the subject podcast topic to support at pageantplanet.com and we'll let you know if we put it in the rotation. So thanks for listening. And if you received any benefit from this show or from one's previous, please consider giving us a five-star review. It may seem like a small action, but it really helps us keep the show going. Until next time, take care.
0: Want to become a part of pageant history? Create a free contestant or business profile on pageantplanet.com to unlock hidden features and connect with other experts throughout the world.